0: On Sunday, Lincoln Riley and other members of the University of Oklahoma football team spoke with the media about the upcoming 2018 season. This came on the heels of Big 12 media days in Frisco earlier last week. Not much was learned from the two media days outside of a few tidbits we'll no doubt discuss later in detail. However, I thought there was a clear theme established by the program. Leadership will make or break the 2018 season. And this isn't something that only Lincoln Riley and the assistant coaches are talking about. This was a consistent theme amongst the players who were interviewed this past week. That tells us that Riley is actively preaching to his team how important this is. I really believe that is an encouraging sign. Could I be making something out of nothing here? Maybe, but hear me out. Let's reach all the way back to September of 2016. The Sooners were preseason number three in the country returned a majority of their starters from a college football playoff team the year before, and had a brutal opening month of the season. Does that sound familiar? And if you remember, they had to play Houston in Houston before being trounced by Ohio State and Norman two weeks later. Now, if you remember all the way back to that season, a large theme after the 1-2 and two start was the loss of upperclassmen leadership from the previous year's team. They didn't lose a bunch of guys, but the ones they did lose carried quite a bit of clout in the locker room. Lincoln Riley coordinated that offense. He was there. He knows, and he wants his players to know. This is his attempt at addressing that issue before it costs them the season, much like it did at the beginning of 2016. Above all else, this just feels different, and I mean that in the most optimistic context. Another example is how coaches and players spoke about competition during fall camp. Riley and Mike Stoops made some interesting comments about certain players still having to compete for spots, which we'll touch on you know, in depth later on. But, that was, but what was interesting is that the players were eager to bring up competition as well, almost as if they were coached on it. This is not an accident. The culture in the program is changing. Every day we get further and further from Bob Stoops' program. Leadership amongst the players may end up being the downfall of the 2018 Sooners, but the overt messaging and continuity amongst the players certainly proves one thing in my mind. The leadership at the top of this program with Lincoln Riley is not in question at all, and it's only a matter of time before that trickles down to the entire team, if it already hasn't. I'm Grant Benson. This is West of Everest.
1: Second down and four. And we'll see if young Bryant can move the Falcons. That is good. I like the timing on that pitch. He's good with the ball. Oh, welcome to big time college football at number seven. My name is Mr. Everidge. High deflected, intercepted off of Darling's hands. And Everidge brings it to the 41-yard line. The second interception against Jason Gessler here today. The Sooners' D still pitching a shutout in Pasadena.
2: The late, great Brandon Everidge welcomes us into today's episode of West of Everest. Known as a big-time hitter in the early Bob Stoops years at Oklahoma, you just heard Brent Musburger's call of a massive average hit on the Air Force quarterback back in 2001, followed by Musburger's call of average picking off Jason Gesser back in the 2003 Rose Bowl. Everage was an All-American during that Rose Bowl season, and he was also a part of the Sooners 2000 National Championship team. One of the best players of the Bob Stoops era, Everage died in 2011. He drowned while swimming in a river with friends in his home state of Texas. Just an awful story. The memory of Everidge will live on as a sooner legend, and of course, in the hearts and minds of his family and friends. Hello, everyone. Once again, this is West of Everest. I'm Lee Benson. You heard Grant at the top of the show with the opening take. We'll bring him back in a moment. But first, I got to say, we are so, so close to football, everybody. And if you're listening to this podcast, that means you love football, particularly Oklahoma football. The shows are about to get even better now that we're going to have some actual games to talk about here in the next four to six weeks or so. So be sure to subscribe to the show if you have not already. You can do that on iTunes. Also, if you are new to the show and would like to leave us a rating or a review on iTunes, please feel free to do that. We'd really appreciate any feedback from you all. And speaking of feedback, if you want to ask us a question or you think we said something stupid and you want to tell us all about it, like us on Facebook and send us a message or send us an email, the email address, westofeverest at gmail.com. And back to Facebook real quick. If you like us on Facebook, you'll see all of the content that we post in between podcast episodes. Also, you'll be able to stay informed on any show updates from time to time, Grant or I will post new release dates because sometimes our schedules get a little bit jumbled and we got to change things up. A big thank you to all of you who do listen to this podcast. I've checked the numbers recently, and even though it is the off season, the number of subscribers has actually grown. So Grant and I are thankful to you all, and we're very excited to see what kind of growth we can have once the season actually begins here again in the next month or so. So with that behind us, let's bring Grant back into the fold, who is in Minnesota. For those of you who are new listeners, you might not know that Grant does the podcast from the land of 10,000 lakes. You know, very uh, We're very technologically advanced around here at West of Everest. You'd think that him and I are in the same room, but we're not. Grant, what's going on? Oh, nothing
0: much, Lee. Just sitting here looking at the, the beautiful July day in Minnesota, and it's it's sickening.
2: It needs to not be summer anymore. I'm so freaking bored. Uh, while it is beautiful at this time of the year and that, uh, that part of the country, I'm with you. I cannot wait for football to get here. We are closer than ever right now. Uh, I want to touch on something real quick uh, on your opening take. You mentioned how the theme you got from Media Day. And also, I think you, uh, this kind of is a nice transition, too, from Lincoln Riley at Big 12 Football Media Days because his theme was leadership, and that's what you talked about there. Do you remember back last season in early fall camp? What the theme of the team was uh, at that time? Do you remember what the guys kept talking about, and what the, the you know us in the media kept asking the players and coaches about? I don't at all. Tell me. Well, when I say it, you're going to remember. It was uh, the big theme was starting fast, starting the year fast, because the previous year, of course, and you mentioned 2016. Oh, you began the season one and two. So early camp last year to Baker Mayfield and Lincoln Riley was all like, what are you doing in preparation to make sure that you don't have those immediate downfalls at the start of the season? Because of course, Ohio state was in week two last year and uh, they didn't want to have a loss to Ohio state basically ruined the entire season. So that all went well. Oklahoma obviously was in midseason form from UTEP on. And then of course they were uh, tripped up by Iowa state but uh, the whole uh, theme of fall camp was to start fast, be in midseason form by week one, week two in Columbus. Oklahoma was. So I bring that up because hopefully since the theme seems to be leadership going into this upcoming football season, come week one, week two, week three, when they face those interesting non-conference opponents, Oklahoma will have found their leaders and will be playing good football right off the bat.
0: Yeah, now that you mentioned that, I absolutely do remember that. And... I don't know why I just thought of this. I'm just gonna just just ask you a random question because you brought up the Ohio State game. Do you think that was the best game they played last year, overall? You think that was their best game last year?
2: Um, defensively, of course, yes. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, definitely the best that's, game that's they played easy. defensively. Off, I I hesitate offensively because of how poor uh, the and poor, relatively speaking, the first half was. Uh, They couldn't finish drives in the first half. Second half was fantastic. They, they went and finished drives and put up points. Uh, I'm trying to think, I mean, offensively, but you know, but Ohio state's defense was so good that they were able to do so much in the second half against a really good defense. And really in the first half, they were able to move the football very well against the Buckeyes. They just weren't able to put the ball in the end zone. So yes. So now that I've taught myself into it, yeah, that was definitely the the best performance all around last year by Oklahoma. Uh, I, the Rose Bowl was going to be the best one until the second half hit us.
0: Well, yeah, I think the Rose Bowl was the best half they played for sure. Unless you want to count the second half of at Ohio State, which is definitely arguable, arguable. I think it's between three games, Lee. Which their their best game last year, they just you know their most complete game they played as a team. That Ohio State game, the um, oh what am I thinking of the, the first TCU game, and then uh, actually something that that's probably gonna surprise a lot a lot of people. I thought they played extremely well against Texas. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. I, I think if, you know, gun to my head, I'd probably pick the Ohio state game, but I just think it's an interesting question because they, they had a weird season last year. They, they had a lot of games where they, you know, they were really good at one thing and really bad at the other. Usually we're talking about offense and defense, actually all the time we were talking about the offense and the defense, but I just thought it was an interesting question. I think it's a fun, uh, fun question to to talk about in retrospect, now that it's been almost a year since they played that game, or at least it's been like 10 and a half months.
2: I think you can throw both TCU games into discussion. I think they played the Horn Frogs well both times. Uh, remember the first time they played them, Oklahoma didn't even score in the second half, and it's, they still blew them out. That didn't was, even matter.
0: Yeah, I mean that, and that they didn't. I remember. I mean, they didn't need to score in the second half. They had right, complete right. control of that game.
2: All right, we've got a lot of sound bites from Oklahoma Media Day to play throughout this episode. I went back through Lincoln Riley and Mike Stoops, their trips to the podium on Sunday, as well as some player sound, and grabbed all the comments that I found to be interesting and uh, therefore interesting to the West of Everest audience. Perhaps the most engaging pieces of audio we will play are from, or I guess one of the most engaging pieces of audio we will play is from Austin Kendall. We've got Kendall's comments on his relationship with Kyler Murray. And let's just say the quarterback duo are not going out on the town together after practice. Uh, Plus, we've got other pieces of sound from Marquise Brown, Bobby Evans, and Caleb Kelly on the Sooners quarterback competition. And spoiler alert, I'm beginning to think Murray versus Kendall is not just a formality. I'm really starting to buy more into that theory that I had from last week. If you all didn't hear the first part of last week's podcast, I recommend going back and listening to it. In short... My theory revolves around the idea that Lincoln Riley truly is wrestling with who will start at quarterback, and Austin Kendall may actually be the best fit for this team. As this show moves along, we'll see if Grant's thoughts on the whole thing is the same as last week or has changed a little bit at all. We'll get to that. But before we play some of that sound, Grant, let's touch on some injuries. Lincoln Riley began his presser with an injury update, and he did confirm that Jalen Redmond will miss the season because they found a couple of blood clots. Riley saying that he fully anticipates Redmond will be back in the fold after he redshirts this upcoming year. Again, this is from Riley's Media Day press conference this past Sunday, July the 22nd. Also, safety Prentice McKinney had shoulder surgery in the middle of the summer and will miss this season. McKinney has played a reserve role throughout his career. He's a senior for OU. Uh, More secondary injury news, and this one I think hurts more. Uh, Pardon the pun. Chance Sylvie is not going to play this season. Riley said Sylvie's Achilles injury rehab is way ahead of schedule, but that he does not anticipate Sylvie playing, barring a miracle. And that's a quote from Lincoln Riley. Uh, I think we mentioned Sylvie being injured back in one of our June episodes at the time. There was still hope, I believe, that he could be good to go for this season. But now it seems that Sylvie will be out. And finally, one offensive injury note. Wide receiver Nick Basquin is expected to be a full go when Oklahoma opens camp on August the third. Basquin has been recovering from another Achilles injury. In case you've forgotten the timeline of his Achilles injuries, it goes like this. Nearly one year ago in fall camp of 2017, Basquin tore his left Achilles tendon, which then, of course, cost him to miss all of last football season. Then Basquin tore his right Achilles in February of this year, so about five to six months ago. Apparently, he's gotten himself into shape, and Riley said that he's going to be out there competing for a job in fall camp. And just to confirm, Riley says the guys will report to fall camp one week from tomorrow. That's Thursday, August the 2nd. The first practice of fall camp will be the next day on Friday, August the 3rd so a lot of information in there Grant and I'll let you decide which pieces of news that you'd like to comment on first
0: well first of all you know the the Jalen Redmond situation clearly is really scary Um, I think I I had heard blood clots a couple a couple weeks ago Um, I I think I decided to kind of sit on that last week I didn't know if that was privileged information or if that had been kind of going around as a rumor but that is confirmed and um, you know obviously you're just you're just concerned for him because that's a that's a serious thing Blood clots are not good. Uh, So, but as Riley said, they think it's under control. Um, You know, just take his redshirt season. He just needs to, you know, stay healthy, get in shape, um, all that. I I think, um, and I know he was an early enrollee, and you know, people had been saying a lot of really good things out of camp. I I keep saying I, I think it's it's slightly naive to to expect a true freshman to contribute along the defensive line. Um, Whether or not Redmond was going to be on the defensive line or if he was going to play that jack role was kind of up in the air. But like I said, I I think it's it's a little naive to expect to expect Jalen Redmond to have been a contributor this year, very much like Michael Thompson. I, I there was no way he was ever going to contribute this year. Um, Chant Sylvie, obviously that hurts. Um, safety is is you know is the position on their roster by far that they have they have the least experience at, um, and so obviously it's never good when you know a guy who's got you know two years of playing time experience goes down. That's obviously not good. I I can't remember when we first found out about that Lee was. Did we find out that Sylvie got hurt like at the end of spring? I can't really remember that.
2: I uh, found out the information about Sylvie way late and I, I just had missed it. So I, the first time we talked about it on our podcast was a month like last, last month in June. I can't remember what show it was. Uh, of course, we had a, you know, that nearly month long break before our last show last week. So um, I think they've known about it. It obviously happened during the spring because he wasn't available during the spring game. So he uh, he had been nicked up during spring ball, but the actual news of the Achilles and stuff like that, at least from my perspective, when I heard about it, it wasn't until really late uh, in early June, I believe. And now we know for sure that uh, it sounds like he's out for the year. And and if you remember back to when we did our our uh, way too early predictions for who will start, I had Chance Sylvie starting in the secondary at, at a safety position. So. I will have to change that up now. I, I thought Sylvie could be a guy that could come back with the experience that he had and, and just being a solid player and a winning starting spot. Um, he's not going to. He's not going to play. So now the you mentioned the safety position is up for grabs. We'll talk a little bit more later in the show about one player who hasn't played safety at all at Oklahoma that's now been getting some reps at safety, according to Lincoln Riley. And uh, he's got a great shot probably to play some some good uh some good, uh, I, I was going to say minutes, like this is basketball. This isn't basketball. Uh, so we get some playing time uh, this year at safety. Snaps and that's, is uh, the, is that's the equivalent we're looking, looking for. That'll be good. There you go. Yeah, you're right. Uh, and that's Jordan Parker. So we'll talk about him a little bit later in the show. So uh, yeah, the Chance Sylvie News is is not good. He was a, a nice player, is a nice player, yeah. and hopefully he gets back to full health.
0: Yeah, and of course. And this is, I mean, this is third year in the program, too. This is usually, you know, when a guy like that kind of puts everything together. So. Uh, really, kind of sucks a lost year for Chance Sylvie. Fortunately, he's not going to use he's not going to lose a year of eligibility, which is nice. Um, assuming this will be a medical redshirt year, he'll he'll have you know two more years left of eligibility, which I'm sure he will use, and we will we will see. I, I think a lot of Chance Sylvie in, in 2019 and in 2020. Uh, so you know, moving on to to Nick Basquin too, Lee. So this one is just kind of you know I, I'm glad that Basquin is is you know I guess is going to be a full go for camp. I am stunned that that is the case. Um, this is a guy who is—I mean—who's—who's who's tore both of his Achilles and you know in less than two years. Um, you know that's that's pretty insane. I, I just I I cannot envision Basquin being any sort of a um, any sort of a factor this year. Coming off of two Achilles injuries, that's that's an injury that that ruins careers. I I, I just if you're counting on Nick Basquin to be a you know, to be a guy who is who is a factor this year, I, I just I, I don't really know what you're. I'd really like you know what you're smoking. So um, hey, I'm I'm more than open to being you know to being wrong on this. I, I suppose we're not going to know until he's actually out there practicing. But and just in no sort of way can I see him coming back from two Achilles tears and being an effective football player at all.
2: You mentioned that's two tears in less than two years. Really, it's two tears in less than a whole year because he tore one in August and then he tore another one about six months later. So that's,
0: Oh, you're right. Yeah. And I mean, it was... so he,
2: uh, yeah, it's just, it was horrible luck for him. And I tend to agree with you. I, I remember going into last season uh, in the fall camp. Sure. Uh, you know, o- Oakland was wide receiver depth. It, it wasn't as certain as it is now. I mean, I thought Marquise Brown was going to be good and we all kind of thought CD Lamb would be good, even though he was a true freshman. And we ended up being correct about both of them. And we knew that Mark Andrews was good, but outside of, uh, I mean, really, there's really no veteran guys except for Basquin, who was a veteran player who hadn't had tons of snaps before, but he was considered, again, a player who'd been in the program and expected to, to come in and see some snaps and, and have some catches and, from Baker Mayfield last year, and then he went down. And I was like, oh, man, that's tough. And so now the wide receiver position is a lot clearer for Oklahoma, and now he's found himself in a spot where he's just going to be working to, to find a way to get on the field because that position has gotten so much depth now.
0: Yeah, and you know, uh, hey, this yeah. is that's one of those things. I mean, if, if um if if you're if, if you're going to tell me that Nick Baskin's going to be as good you know as he was in 2016 this year, then absolutely, I mean, he's going to be the he's going to be the third wide receiver on this team if that's the case. Um, but I, I just he, he's not he's he's just not going to be the same player. Um, if I see that he you know if I see him play and he looks great, you know, I'll change my opinion. But I, I've just I, I would love to see examples of people who have come back from two Achilles tears. Just no way, it's just not going to happen.
2: Let's move into the position battles for fall camp. And on the defensive side, there's one position that we all expected was kind of already locked in, but apparently it's not. We'll save that discussion for later on in the show, though. But the biggest position battle is at quarterback, where virtually everybody does not believe there is a real competition going on between Kyler Murray and Austin Kendall. However, OU is telling us that the competition is very real, Speaking of that, let's play our first pieces of audio from some of Oklahoma's players talking about the quarterbacks. First up, we're going to go with big Bobby Evans, offensive tackle. This is what he said about the quarterbacks a couple days ago on Sunday. First up, he is talking here about Kyler Murray, and then he talks about Austin Kendall as well.
1: He's going to make plays. He's a playmaker. I mean, he's, he's, he's ready to work. And same with Austin. He's a playmaker as well. He's ready to work. Um, honestly... Uh, I mean, Kyler is really fast, but people be sleeping on Austin. Austin is pretty fast too, and I honestly think he's gonna make a difference if if he's given the opportunity and same with Kyler. So I mean, who? I, all I know is whoever's out there, I got your back. Basically, that's all, that's all I can say about that.
2: Bobby Evans talking about the quarterback situation, one about Kyler Murray at the start of the soundbite, and then about Austin Kendall. We have two more soundbites to play regarding. OU players talking about the quarterbacks and I want to play all of these before Grant and I comment on them so there's Bobby Evans let's go to a player that whoever plays quarterback for Oklahoma will be throwing passes to that's Marquise Brown here's Marquise Brown's thoughts on the quarterback competition
3: Kyler and AK they're uh, two different quarterbacks but they're both like doing great like they're both when it's time to lead the drive, they're both leading. They're both gonna finish out with a touchdown. So it's been it's been a good like Kyler is, is a dynamic player. Like he's so fast that like and he throws he could throw the ball in different positions, you know, and accurate. So and, and A.K. he's just a, a good thrower. Like he's just good. So they're both they're both doing a great job.
2: So that is Marquise Brown. Whoever ends up playing a quarterback will be throwing passes to him. No doubt about it. Finally, we have one more OU player talking about the quarterback competition, and that's a player on the defensive side of the football. That is Caleb Kelly. And Caleb Kelly, of course, goes up against the offense in practice. And I know it's the summertime, so there's not a whole lot we can learn from offense versus defense and vice versa. But uh, Caleb Kelly's soundbite is the most interesting to me when it comes to this competition because uh, it, he makes it, makes it clear that, uh, you know what, it's not just – Something that they're saying—it sounds like really not just Lincoln Riley, but everybody sees this as a real competition. Let's listen into Caleb Kelly.
1: It's a really good competition. Everybody wants to just name it right now, just name who a starter is, but it really is a competition. Like we aren't just saying that just for media, aren't just saying that just so they compete. Like both those guys can start at Division One
2: level. All right, so you've heard from three different OU players about the quarterback competition. Uh, the last one there from Caleb Kelly. Is uh, the most telling as far as kind of like what Lincoln Riley said about a week ago or a week ago at Big Twelve football media days in Frisco that both these players can start for Oklahoma. Caleb Kelly saying both these players can start at the D one level. Grant, when I play those bites for you, what is the main thing that stands out about the quarterback competition?
0: I I feel like we're going to come at it from totally different angles, man. But they they're they're coached to say this stuff. They 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 went into this and they said talk about the competition. They did. <laughs> Like, I'm just, that that's exactly what, especially Caleb Kelly's, that's what I get, that is just not, that is him being coached to say that. He says, we're not saying it just for the media. That means, yes, we're saying it just for the media. I, that's that's all I'm saying. I think it's fairly obvious by that.
2: Well, one of our best listeners, our, our most faithful listeners, uh, is a guy I work with at News 9 in Oklahoma City, and he used to play football at Oklahoma. He walked on. Uh, he didn't see any action on the field, but he spent a season in the program, and so he, was, he knew, knows what it's like inside that. Granted, it was uh, not during the Lincoln-Riley era, so it would have been uh, about seven, eight, nine years ago, during the height of the Bob Stoops era. But the reason I bring that up is that he was talking about all of these guys, talking about the quarterback competition, these players. And since he's been around the players before, again, not in this situation with Lincoln-Riley as the head coach or and Kyler Murray and Austin Kendall, he made a point to me by saying that whenever he was there, he'd never heard of anybody at OU really telling the players what to say, coaching them up on, on what to say to the media. He said, yeah, there was times where they would have uh, certain ways to attack the media, uh, attack's not the best word, certain ways to handle the media is probably a better way to put it, You know, certain angles to take, but he, he said that there's never any time where the coaches or anybody would say, hey, make sure you say this about this question or something like that. Now, again, that was a long time ago, so maybe in this this specific situation with the quarterback co- uh, competition, there was a discussion like that, you know, with Lincoln Riley or maybe the, the OU media SIDs or the, or the people within the, the program and say, Hey guys, this is going to be our, our, uh, our talking point with the quarterback stick with it. You know, that could have happened. Uh, I'm not sure, but I just wanted to, to bring up that in the past, it sounds like uh, that wasn't a thing before with Oklahoma, where they would tell the players what to say.
0: Fair point. I may have gone a little overboard, you know, saying yes, he was absolutely, you know, he was coached to say this exact thing. Um, I think it's more of it's just something that they've probably preached around the program. Hey, this is a competition. Everything is an open competition. We're competing now, boys, against everybody. And maybe that's just rubbed off on everyone. Uh, that's that. That was kind of the point of like my opening take was that. Um, that these guys probably hear it every single day about how much of a competition this is because that's probably the culture they're trying to build in the program that's what i take from this it's not it's not an accident that leadership and competition continues to come up in all of these quotes and pretty much everything that was talked about on sunday now that's not an accident i don't think and not and i guess not in the sense that like you know they they had a script that they were following I mean, it wasn't an accident in the sense that that has been a theme of their practice, a theme of their summer. It's something that they've been living. It's something that that has been being preached to them. And I truly believe that. I, I think you don't you don't get the consistency in what all these guys were talking about without that. That, that really does tell me there's there 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 may be a lot of uh, program cohesion. And I think I, I I'm choosing to look at it that way, of course. But but I really do think the the evidence suggests that as well. Um, and you know what? I it might just be July, and I'm. You know, doing my annual thing where I'm just talking myself into nonsense. You know, I think that we all do when we're when we're just starved for football. But I, I, I really don't. I, I think there's something here.
2: I think the big question that we don't know the answer to, but I think is worth asking, and would be able would actually let us shed more light into this situation is. You mentioned the leadership has been talked about a lot. The reason it's coming up a lot when these players talk about it and Lincoln Riley talks about it is because that's been hammered into the program, the dialogue um, throughout summer, probably even in the spring. Uh, That's something that's been discussed quite a bit and it's been communicated to everybody. Therefore, the players have that nailed into their heads and that's why it comes out to them during these interviews. That or is this a scenario where a guy like Caleb Kelly, a guy like Bobby Evans – Uh, And Marquise Brown. It's what they're seeing on the field from Austin Kendall and Kyler Murray and in their heads are thinking these guys really are pretty darn close. They look either the same or one guy is slightly better than the other guy. And that's why I'm saying this is really a competition. We're not just saying that for the media because my eyeballs are telling me at practice and during the summer workouts, things like that, back in the spring, whatever then I'm not seeing a whole whole lot of difference between these two players, and and that's the question I think that we need to know the answer to. Where is this coming from? Is it is it coming from just like what you say, the communication aspect, or is it actually coming from these players are seeing with their own two eyes that this competition is really that close?
0: Maybe, and I think that's a perfectly reasonable take to have. You know, especially if you're going off of you know what we know right now. I think that's it's totally fine to take that position. Um, I, I, I just I, I can't get over the fact um I, I just I don't I think there's a negative chance that Kyler Murray would be in Norman Oklahoma right now if he wasn't gonna be the starting quarterback. Um and I and I, I understand that's the obvious point that everyone has brought up, but there's a reason it's an obvious point is because it's obvious. Um so obviously we can only tell, you know, we can only wait and see what's gonna happen. But I I, I just I have a really hard time believing that Austin Kendall has any shot in this thing.
2: Let's hear from Kyler Murray on the quarterback competition. Kyler hasn't talked a whole lot since he was drafted by the A's. He had a press conference in Oakland, but of course there was no uh, OU beat media there to ask him questions. He wasn't at big 12 football media days. And finally on Sunday, he was available to to take questions from the OU football beat media. Let's hear Kyler's thoughts on the quarterback competition. Now I got to say, this audio is a is a kind of difficult to hear, so I'll play it for you and then in case you can't really make out what he's saying, I'll read you what he said after the, the uh, audio plays. I
3: um, mean, yeah, like I said from day one, you know I don't really you know I just come in everyday ready to work you know even with Bakers here, you know this competition between me that's how I looked at it. Uh, so for me, you know I come in everyday ready to work and you know, I don't really pay attention too much to a uh, competition level.
2: So that's Kyler Murray on the quarterback competition. And in case you couldn't make out what he was saying, uh, our microphone wasn't as close to him as we would have liked it to be. Murray said, quote, like I've said since day one, I just come in every day ready to work. Even when Baker was here, it was a competition between me and him every day, and that's how I looked at it. I come in every day ready to work. I don't pay as much attention to the competition. So that's Murray uh, talking about the competition. So it's interesting that he – I mean, it's a pretty standard response. From Kyler Murray, I suppose. Um, no mention of Austin Kendall there. Just that he is going in there, and he's he's um, I guess approaching this the same way he approached backing up Baker Mayfield. I mean, he had to. I mean, obviously, he knew that he was backing up Baker Mayfield, but he's he's sounding like, well, I wanted to beat out Baker Mayfield. I was competing against him. So that's the way I'm gonna approach this competition with Austin Kendall. Uh, anything stand out to you about that soundbite, or is that pretty much standard?
0: Yeah, it's pretty standard. I, I, standard for kind of everything we know about Kyler Murray's personality. To be honest with you, that's that's almost like I, I probably could have guessed that's what he was gonna say. So it doesn't surprise. You. Yeah, he's not. He, he's not. And he's he's not an incredibly interesting quote. That's for sure.
2: True. True. Yeah. He uh, the, the media stuff like that. He's fine with it. He seems very affable and. and Cool with it, but yeah, he's he's not somebody who's going to go into to grave uh, great detail when it comes to really anything he's talking about. So let's just move on from there because not much to talk about with that. I just wanted to kind of put it out there. Let's hear from Kyler Murray. Let's hear what he's thinking about the competition. We got a couple more sound bites from Murray. I'll play here in a little bit, but first, uh, this last sound bite we have about the QB competition is from Austin Kendall and my boss, News 9's, uh Dean Blevins, was in Norman on Sunday talking to all the players and coaches. And you're going to hear Dean's voice at the beginning of this clip asking Kendall about his relationship with Kyler. I think this is an intriguing soundbite. Take a listen. Are you guys close pals, good friends, and can go compete? Or how would you describe your relationship? Uh, I think
1: it's it's, it's different. Uh, We don't really hang out. Um, We're close when we're here. I mean, we talk to each other. It's not like we're distant. Um, I tell him what's on my mind. Uh, He probably tells me stuff, same thing. But, I mean... I guess it's a different kind of relationship. Uh wouldn't say we're like best friends or anything like that, but we just go out here. Uh we talk to each other like friends. Um we just go out and compete every day.
2: So that's Austin Kendall when he was asked about his relationship with Kyla Murray. Uh pretty interesting, huh, Grant? Um I don't know, it depends on what angle you want to go at it. Um I don't know, I've I've
0: played lots of sports and I'm I haven't been incredibly close friends with every teammate I've ever had. I doubt you have either. You know, and but yeah, I don't know. I've but I've certainly you know I've had teammates who I have had a, this exact relationship with.
2: Have you? I'm sure you yeah, have. Yeah, of course, of course. It's just of course this in this scenario. It's it's two guys competing for the most uh, important position in sports, and I think it also is interesting considering that it really seemed as if the past couple of years with Kyler on campus along with Baker Mayfield, it seemed like every chance Baker Mayfield had an opportunity to talk about Kyler Murray, he would say nothing but great things about Kyler Murray. And he very rarely, if ever, mentioned Austin Kendall. So it would seem that Mayfield and Murray had a pretty good relationship. Uh, but for whatever reason, Austin Kendall would not come up. And and now it, it looks like, yeah, these guys, they're teammates. I mean, it seemed like they get along fine. It's just, they, like Kendall said he wouldn't say that they're best friends or anything like that uh it just kind of goes more to like man this is a competition uh both guys want to win it and you know Austin Kendall has, has been there especially after redshirting last season in his mind he knows he can start for OU and win games for OU he just knows he has another really good player ahead of him or with him competing uh he really thinks he can win this job. And I think Lincoln Riley's probably made it clear to him that he has a chance to win this job. And, uh, it's refreshing too, in a way to hear a guy like Kendall be pretty much honest about it. He didn't say generic, basic things about, Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. We get along just fine. We're great. Uh, we're just going out there competing. I mean, he, he had a few sentences, a whole paragraph about how, eh, you know, it's a different. If it's different, you know, we talk to each other. It's we're not distant, but you know, it, it's different, which I found that to be pretty refreshing. Yeah, sure, and <laughs> I yeah,
0: I mean, I guess I I don't really know how else to go. I, I I'm not in the mind of Austin Kendall or Kyler Murray. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what Kendall's personality is. I don't know. What it, it I don't know. I, I don't want to try to you know parse like the word, especially this. You could tell he was a little
2: uncomfortable with the question. Um,
0: it, it's yeah, it's maybe
2: maybe not, but I think that's Kendall's his personality. He seems like a guy that. He'll tell exactly what he's thinking. Uh, he's not out there to really make best friends forever with everybody. He seems like a person that's just like, – he's a killer. He's out there. He has a killer instinct. He wants to compete. He wants to win the starting job, and he wants to win.
0: That sounds that sounds great. It sounds like you're kind of starting – you're starting to root for Austin Kendall to win the job, aren't you?
2: I'm not rooting for him to win the job. I just uh, – I i wouldn't say I'm rooting for any of the – well, whoever wins the job, whoever plays, I want them to be awesome and, and lead Oklahoma to – a bunch of Ws and win a national championship. Of course, I just want the best player to to win the job that gives Oklahoma the best chance to win. And I've made it clear the way I, you know my thoughts on Kyler Murray. I think he's a a great player. I'm just hesitant because of what I know about him in the past. And I realize it's it's fair slash unfair to point out that that was three years ago at Texas a and A lot's changed, and that's true. And and I will admit that, and I will acknowledge that. But that trepidation. Still, kind of sits there until I see it uh, with my own two eyes for an extended period of time. We saw Kyler Murray in short bursts a lot last year, and he played really well. He was great in those short bursts, but I want to see in an extended, uh, again, game to game to game. If he's the guy, granted, we haven't seen Austin Kendall really at all for since 2016. So it's 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 unfair to all of a sudden think that Austin Kendall is obviously a, a better fit because we don't know that. But, uh, again, I'm just very hesitant about Kyler Murray. I think he's a, an incredible athlete. I think he's a good thrower of the football, and I think he's a smart player. And I, I hope if he's the guy, I hope he's the the right guy and he's he's able to run the offense well. Uh, but uh, I'm certainly not rooting for any one of those guys to win the job. Like I said, I want whoever wins the job to be the best guy and have to have earned it. I'm just saying that I, I'm i not as high on Kyler Murray being an instant obvious uh, starter as most people seem to be. How about that?
0: I think that's fair. And I think uh I think a lot of that is your is your experience at Texas A&M probably getting there. And I think that's I think that's totally fair. That's I mean, we, we saw more of him at Texas A&M than we have at Oklahoma. Um and yeah, you know, there there is a bit of, you know, uh, people who are really high on Kyler. You're right. I, I'll freely admit there is a little bit of faith going on there. Um, but but not completely i mean there's there's been rumblings that this guy is incredible so it's um we we'll, we'll see um i'm i'm excited i'm excited either way i think um i think either way they're they're going to be a, a really good offense with either of these guys and like i said i think Austin Kendall is going to be a, a spectacular quarterback for Oklahoma in 2019 and 2020 with just an absolutely loaded roster a loaded roster
2: put it this way Losing Baker Mayfield, probably the best quarterback in college football history, if not definitely the best quarterback Oklahoma's had. Oklahoma's in pretty good spot right now, considering they just lost that guy uh, with Murray and Kendall. I mean, it could be a lot worse right now. I mean, they have two players that, uh, depending on who you got starting, is gonna win Oklahoma some games and if not, potentially if, if it really fits well in the Lincoln Riley office and things get clicking, potentially be a Heisman trophy candidate. So yeah, and you know. Lee, we, spot.
0: we we I mean we, we sort of talked about this I think this weekend sometime, but I mean there's not a whole lot of big time passers coming back in college football this year. There isn't. You and I you and I kinda of had trouble naming like a top six quarterbacks in the country. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's not a whole lot of talent in that position right now. Um, I think I, like, I think Mackenzie Milton and Will Greer are, and maybe throw Khalil uh, Khalil Tate in there, are are clearly above everyone else right now. And I mean, that's that's kind of odd. I think going into a season where there's three guys, I think are just a lot better than everyone else, um, and those three guys are nowhere near as good as um as the guy who was on top of everything last year and even the two guys nowhere near as you know not even really that close to Lamar Jackson either so um interesting for sure but you're right OU is in really good shape at the quarterback position right now and for years to come too with Spencer Rattler and and Tanner Mordecai coming on
2: I'm looking forward to future shows when we get closer to the season to talk more about the the overall landscape of college football, we can talk about those players, those quarterbacks and those teams. Uh, just a couple more interesting things from Kyler Murray soundbite wise. I figured this again this is the first time he's talked in a long time. Might as well pull a couple of bites from him that maybe the listeners, you out there would be kind of like, Hey, what's he thinking about this? So we, uh, you know, we made the, I think I had an opening take a, a couple weeks ago or a few shows ago about how I'm, I'm not worried about Kyler Murray as far as his preparation and his want for the season, because he's been wanting to be the starting quarterback and the guy at a big D1 program basically his entire life, and now this year he knows he's got it. Even though there is a competition, granted, I think he knows he's got it. This is his time to shine. So the big question is, will he be properly motivated considering he was drafted in the first round and his futures in baseball? So he was asked about that. Uh, seemingly i mean basically that the, the generally he was asked about you know your hunger for being here and you know having baseball being your future what are your thoughts uh, again i'll play you the soundbite and then i will read you what he said in case you can't really hear what he's saying
3: i mean i wouldn't be here right now if i wasn't hungry to play like, i mean i i think this is the most anticipated football something i've ever you know been ready for in my life
2: so if you couldn't hear Murray there, his quote was, "I wouldn't be here right now if I wasn't hungry to play this season." I think this is the most anticipated football season I've ever been ready for in my life. Duh, duh. So that basically confirms yeah. exactly what I was saying a month ago. Which it doesn't take a genius to figure that out.
0: I say I think, and and this is why. I mean, this has kind of been it. it now that it's happened, it almost seems like this has been Kyler Murray's plan all along, and he's he's ready for this. And that this is just another reason why I think he's. Now, he's the starter. He's the starter. I don't, I don't think you even really need to read any more into it, but we got to talk about something, I suppose.
2: And finally, you and I were making jokes after he got drafted about how he was going to make nearly $5 million. Or I mean, he's basically he's got it, and he's in college still, about how, oh, I'm sure his teammates and coaches, they're going to kind of make fun of him and jab him and stuff like that. And we were worried about, oh, are they going to talk about it? Are they going to bring it up publicly and stuff? And I remember you being, like, super worried about this coming up do you remember that?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, not in this context. Like, so, like just a a member of the media asking him about it.
2: Well, yeah, but you you're like you didn't seem to have as much fun with it as it obviously was supposed to be.
0: No, I, I would if because I if, like I I look at it like if I were in control of the program, I wouldn't want him talking about money at all at any point in time ever. I'd be yeah. pissed. I'd be pissed that someone asked a question. To be honest, you, knowing yeah. that there's nothing I can do to stop it, but.
2: I mean, in this situation, there's of course it's going to be brought up. It's, you shouldn't worry too much about it. But it anyways, is, but he get was, off my lawn. <laughs> Murray was asked about, uh, you know, he has all this money now and how has his teammates reacted to it, and here's what Murray had to say.
3: Oh, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they obviously, you know, make fun of, you know, having, you know, money or the, the coaches, all that stuff. Yeah, they make fun of it, but, uh, no, nah, I mean, it's all been good. You know, they've they showed love, you know, supporting me uh, through it all. So, uh, yeah, I'm very thankful for that.
2: And again, in case you couldn't hear that, because the audio is not not the best, Murray said, quote, they've obviously made fun of me having money, all that stuff. They make fun of it. It's all been good. They've shown love, supported me through it all, so I'm very thankful for that. So, as you'd expect, he's gotten jabs on it, but it's no big deal. Uh, a couple other notes on Kyler Murray. Where are my notes on him? Just more about the uh, the money stuff. Um, he He went on to say that, Uh, he's living like a regular kid he's not the type of guy who just goes out and blows a bunch of money so he said that for him he's still a broke college kid basically Uh, he also made the comment that took off on social media a little bit about how he's now learned how taxes go and he's got uh, people to help him out with that of course as you might expect he's not really thinking about the money he's just thinking about football and and uh, winning a national championship and also, as far as the summer goes, Murray, he's actually been on campus all summer long around the football team. It's the first time that's happened since he's been at OU. So uh, not surprisingly, Murray thinks that should be a, a benefit to him this year. Uh, so, again, that means no summer baseball this year for Kyler Murray after playing summer uh, baseball in the past. And... Uh, he, he said it multiple times during his, his media availability on Sunday. He said that he's focused on playing football and winning a national championship, and he parroted that line uh, at least twice during his uh, his breakout interview. So Murray on message, kind of a short short and sweet kind of guy, but he's here to win football games. There's no doubt about that.
0: Yeah. Any, I, uh, I, anything I, else
2: you want to add? No, I'm excited.
0: I, I think he's – I, obviously, I, I have not made it a, a mystery at all. I think he's going to be great, so – um I'm excited to watch him play. I think he's going to be really excited, a really exciting player.
2: Real quick before we move on to one, another offensive uh, position or I guess more of a player, I just want to make it clear what my, my take on the whole competition is. I think Kyla Murray is going to be the starting quarterback. Mainly I think it's because he has to be. Lincoln Riley has to go with him because of the baseball thing, because of the unknown, what he can bring to this position at OU. But at the same time, though, I also do think that Lincoln Riley does believe there's a part of him that thinks Austin Kendall is, I want to say for sure, but I'll say is maybe the right guy for this job. But Kendall is not going to get that, It's not going to get a true chance to start right away just because of all, all around Kyler Murray. He's coming back for one year to play football. Of course, he's going to start. So... uh I think if it wasn't for that, if Kyler Murray was just another player and he had no baseball and he was just a football player, I think this would be a legitimate competition. And I really think that Austin Kendall would have a legitimate chance to start for OU if he beat out Kyler Murray. But uh, it's not going to happen. Murray will start week one.
0: And I, I mean i I think Murray is probably just better too. That's why. That's why he's going to be the quarterback. I, I I think if I think if Austin Kendall was better than Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray would be in Oakland right now or in. And rookie ball somewhere right now, that's that's all.
2: And you can make the argument too that if Kyler Murray or if Kendall was better, Kendall wouldn't have been redshirted last year, and Kendall would have been the backup quarterback, and Kyler Murray wouldn't have been.
0: That's a really good point too. I yeah forgot about Unless that. Unless they
2: were just trying to keep Kyler Murray, you know, in the program and not going to play baseball too early. I don't know something because like, like, there's no way they're going to redshirt Kyler Murray after he sat out transfer year. Uh, I'm getting into the weeds too much. Uh, let's let's move on. Uh and again, before we move on to the uh, surprising defensive position battle, we'll stick with the offense. I've got sound from Lincoln Riley on big man Cody Ford as I try to cue up this audio before, uh, before we play it. So uh, I took this upcoming comment by Lincoln Riley as Cody Ford is going to be a starter at tackle this year. And I believe, Grant, you think that Riley means Ford will start fall camp playing tackle. And battling for a job as opposed to starting fall camp at guard. Uh, let's just play the audio and then we'll just go from there and comment on it. So here's Riley on Cody Ford on Sunday.
3: We're gonna start Cody at tackle, no question about it. Uh, he did a great job, I, and I think our biggest question mark for him was, you know, he's just such a big guy. Was is he? Can he move the way we need him to move out there on the edge? He's always been a good enough player, um, and we knew he was gonna factor in this year. So, somewhere I mean no doubt about it um, and he moves so well uh, it was just very natural for him from from his past setting um, and you know he's got a chance to be a pretty dominant tackle in the run game because of the way he's built and some of the matchups that he'll have out there so he did a great job and then we've even trimmed him down. he was you know I think this spring in the 345 range you know and, and we've got him down to about 330 right now so we've even trimmed him up a little bit more in anticipation of leaving him at tackle.
2: So I will admit I have evolved a bit on my position, Grant. I do think uh, the way you think. I think he meant that Ford's going to start uh, playing tackle. like That's his position, and he'll be battling for a, a spot in camp. So yeah. I have evolved. I, I thought at first he meant, oh, yeah, Cody Ford's going to be one of our starting tackles, which I think he's going to be, but... I don't think that's what Riley was saying there. Now that I listened to it a couple times,
0: yeah, yeah. So I I, I do think he was saying that he's just going to start fall camp playing tackle uh, that at that position. Um, but now we know that I I it's I'm pretty comfortable in saying that Cody Ford is absolutely going to be one of the starting tackles. Um, whether or not that's on the left or the right side, I'm not 100 percent sure of yet. We'll see. We got uh, Cody Ford's a guy who's played on the left side his entire career. You know, not not a ton. I mean, he played the first you know the the first three games or the first two and a half games of 2016 before he broke his leg into Ohio State and he played in every game last year um I don't know I I I, we're gonna have to wait I think until we get more reports out of fall camp about who's who's gonna be on the left or right um but yeah at at this time I'm very comfortable with saying that Cody Ford is definitely going to be one of the starting tackles now that we know this information
2: and just looking back at Cody Ford's bio from last season and I'll admit offensive line is not a position where I'm game to game, really paying attention to who's starting there. I mean, I always assume, of course, Orlando Brown was starting at left tackle. Uh, last year, Eric Wren was the center. Um, you know, Ben Powers played left guard. But uh, looking at Cody Ford's game log from last year, it says he started at left guard against Ohio State, Iowa State, Texas, and Kansas State. And Grant, I remember last week you brought up that Texas game that you watched back and saw Cody Ford mauling. So He's he good. ended up making four starts last year at left guard that I – See I think i didn't I don't pay that close attention to who's starting on the line, and that surprised me. I thought it was Ben Powers all year long
0: yeah I think I think Powers may have been a little banged up in the middle of the season too um, okay so yeah, that was it too, and I remember seeing that um as well, but going back and watching the the Texas game, uh Cody Ford pretty much played that entire game. There wasn't really any Ben Powers um so yeah he must have he must have really been banged up
2: and one of your concerns, Grant, was how big of a man Cody Ford is in Lincoln Riley talked about it you know how there big of a guy is in that sound bite. well there you go it sounds like he's lost some weight he's trimmed down how yeah. do you feel about
0: that I feel great about it that's awesome yeah so <laughs> I mean that. yeah I mean he's he's mammoth he's obviously he's obviously big enough to play left tackle um and of course my uh, my concern was is he too big um because he, he's a little he's not quite as tall as Orlando Brown so he doesn't carry that weight as, as spread out as Orlando did so um yeah, I mean it sounds great. Cody Ford's a good is has I mean, he's been nothing but a good player in the, you know, the sixteen or so games he's probably played as a sooner. Um I mean, and this this basically just means I mean they got they got four really uh four really experienced guys back on the offensive line. And if they start Jonathan Alvarez at center, they got I mean, they got probably over a hundred starts back on the offensive line, which is incredibly significant. Uh
2: Jonathan Alvarez gosh, what is the uh What's the the award for the best center? Remington. Yeah, that that came out last week, and Alvarez is on uh, is on the watch list for that. And I wonder how many how many instances that uh, a person on the Remington award watch list is a guy who uh, redshirted the prior year, but then before that played basically uh, exclusively, ended up playing you know in a in a big time bowl game, which at that time was a playoff game. I thought that was pretty funny to see. Uh, uh, I would be surprised if list. he
0: was I wouldn't be surprised if he's a two time member of that list. It wouldn't surprise me at all. if yeah, he, was, if he was on the list in 2016, uh, returning, I mean, basically the returning, watch list. It,
2: yeah. yeah, every every starter, it seems like yeah, on it on seems. List. It, yeah,
0: it's, it's every single returning starter is added to that <laughs> list. <laughs>
2: couple other offensive notes before we move on to the defensive side of the football that I just wanted to bring up, found kind of interesting. I uh, mentioned that Cody Ford has dropped some weight. Lincoln Riley mentioned that CeeDee Lamb has put on about 10 to 15 pounds. Um, assuming that's not 10 to 15 pounds of fat, I'm assuming that's 10 to 15 pounds of lean muscle. And uh, Riley, of course, expecting a big jump from CeeDee Lamb. He mentioned that you know the term sophomore slump is thrown around a lot. Uh, he doesn't anticipate that. For C.D. Lamb, Uh, as far as more of a general offensive, not even offensive, but just a general Oklahoma team thing, you may be thinking to yourself, man, this is really early for an OU football media day, a meet the Sooners day, you know, it's late July, normally isn't it either end of July or early August around when camp begins, well, the answer is yes, Um, Riley mentioned that he's trying to cut out distractions from fall camp this season, which doing this media day 10 days early that's a big part of that so it sounds to me that after big 12 football media days was last week he's like hey guys let's let's just knock all this stuff out get it out of the way and I just want to focus on football for a month leading up to that Florida Atlantic game Uh, for us it's kind of annoying because this is they did media days so quickly after big 12 football media days and now we're going to have a little bit of a lull but as far as the team goes on the field and limiting distractions, I guess we can't be too mad about that. Uh, is it? What do you think about them having media day so early in, uh I guess so early in the summer?
0: Not upset at all. I love it. Absolutely love it. Any sort, <laughs> any any sort of time you're trying to get rid of distractions, I, I yeah, awesome. That that's that's one less thing off their plate, and I love it. And um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean for me it's great. This we have more stuff to talk about at an earlier date, um, and we're still. You know, I think I think, yeah, I, think that's true. I, I think usually when they usually would have been having it, uh, it's kind of already when practice has started. So by that time, we are getting get reports of practice coming in um, at this time. Mm-hmm. We got we we got more stuff to talk about right now, and we're still going to get all of the practice reports, you know, next Friday when they start. So, uh, no, I, I like it. I think this is good. I, I really I, I think it shows uh, forethought, foresight. Um, It's it's. I mean, it's just it's just Lincoln Riley oozing, dripping competence whenever he speaks and whenever he does stuff.
2: Last offensive note, this will be one of those. It's kind of a generic soundbite, and it's not surprising, but at the same time, considering what happened last season, it makes your eyebrows go up a little bit. Rodney Anderson, I don't have the sound, but Anderson mentioned that he expects the same production, if not better, out of the offense. There's a bunch of weapons that we're excited to showcase now you lose the Heisman Trophy winner you lose Baker Mayfield you lose Orlando Brown Mark Andrews uh and you hear from the running back that he expects the same production if not better you know what good for him he's got high standards and I hope he's right
0: (laughs) yeah he's 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 very very likely not to be right but yeah I hope he is and and just and just to mention they can get you know I it's hard to even compare anything to last year's offense because it, in relative terms, it was so just absolutely insane. I mean, they they could take considerable step backs on offense and still be the best offense in the country. That's how good they were last year
2: on that side of the ball. Agreed. All right, we've been teasing this defensive position battle all show, and if you're an OU fan, which if you're listening to this podcast, you are, you probably already know what I'm talking about, but let's get to it now. The biggest surprise position Battle News of Sunday's media day was when Mike Stoops took to the podium and said, quote, it will be an interesting competition between Caleb Kelly and Curtis Bolton at the Will linebacker spot. Now, we all just assume that Kelly was the starting Will backer, but Stoops reminded us Sunday that Caleb Kelly missed the spring because he had to have shoulder surgery. So perhaps Kelly, he's a little behind, and Stoops and company wants to get the competitive juices flowing because as you'll hear a bit, uh, as you'll hear in a bit from Kelly himself, he has not lived up to what he was supposed to be so far at Oklahoma. Grant, your initial thoughts on this position battle at Will Linebacker?
0: I think people are reading way too, too way too much into it. It was even kind of like a little throwaway line from Mike Stoops. It wasn't even really that highlighted in, in what he said. Um, no, I, I think this is just there. I think it's very clear that they're trying to create competition up and down the roster. Um if 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 Curtis Bolton takes a starting spot from Caleb Kelly, that's that's not a good sign for the defense. Is all I have to say.
2: And I Curtis, think that's a fair. And Curtis assessment. Bolton
0: is coming off of an injury as well. And I know he was there in the spring, and Caleb Kelly wasn't. But you know, Curtis Bolton is a physically limited linebacker coming off of a, of an injury. Um, so I Curtis Bolton is a, is a nice nice depth piece, and it would have been nice to have him last year uh, just because of how how thin they were at that position. But Curtis Bolton ain't, is not taking Caleb Kelly's starting spot. And, and this is not me saying Caleb Kelly's amazing. He absolutely has, you know, relative to his recruit stat- status. He's been he's been a slight disappointment at OU so far. Um, but, you know, no. Curtis Bolton's not going to take that spot from Caleb Kelly.
2: Well, here's Caleb Kelly. Let's play you the soundbite from Kelly. We've already heard him once in this show talking about the quarterback spot. Uh, this is one of his best soundbites because it shows the ability for him to look inside himself He's, he's not blind to what's happened. He has very high standards for himself. And it seems like he knows that he has not lived up to the kind of player that he was supposed to be coming out of high school. And he was asked by my boss, Dean Blevins, kind of about being a better player this season. And listen to this soundbite from Caleb Kelly. It's really good.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've had two years under my belt. I've been a starter for two years now and still haven't had that season that everybody's been kind of waiting on. I mean, I was a five-star guy coming out there like, all right, he's going to be big time, he's going to be big time. Had a couple games like Sugar Bowl and big play games and uh, haven't had a complete season doing that just consistently. And so I just think this year is where I need to do it. I feel like I'm in the right position to do it, Um, switching to inside, being able to make some more plays. But um, I'm really just excited to really just show what I could do for sure.
2: So that's a guy right there who has looked, like I said, has looked inside himself, realizes that he's capable of being a better player. And it sounds like he's used this off season to reflect. Hopefully, you know, he's always been in pretty good shape, but coming off an injury, get healthy, get fully ready to go out there and go into this season, playing a new position, a position where he talks about there, you heard him. uh, He feels like he's confident he'll be able to make some more plays. Uh, and hopefully living up to his five-star billing coming out of high school, uh, really nice to hear Caleb Kelly say all those things.
0: Yeah, shows a lot of self-awareness, and I I appreciate stuff like that, especially in twenty-year-old you know, kids. Twenty-year-old kids are stupid, and so it, it's it's nice to it's it, it's nice to hear the self-awareness from Caleb. Uh, I I think you know last year he just he, he didn't make a huge impact last year, and I you know probably a little disappointing to everybody. You know, if if you do think back to, you know, the second half of the twenty sixteen season, he's a pretty explosive player on the defensive side of the ball. The, you know, like he mentioned the Sugar Bowl, he was he was great in that game, probably their best defensive player in the Sugar Bowl. He may have been their best defensive like the best player in the defense in the second half of the two thousand sixteen season along with Jordan Evans. Um, so Caleb Kelly is is capable of producing here. And I, I think he's he's a guy who was probably playing a little bit out of position at, at Sam linebacker. Um, kind of with the responsibility of covering a lot of space in the big 12, that's, that's really difficult to do for a linebacker. Um, and we're at the point now, I mean, if, if I, I think this, you know, at, at the will spot, this is a little more natural for Caleb Kelly. And if, you know, if, if he can't make the transition and, and, and be an effective player at that position, or, or even just you know be a better player than Emmanuel Beal, then the guy is it's 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 just the guy's a bust. That simple. He just he just wasn't good enough. So I'm I'm hoping that's not the case, uh, but we'll see. He's right. This is a really big year for Caleb Kelly. Um, and I'm you're right. I'm getting a little in the weeds. And I I I really think that Caleb Kelly is going to be healthy this year. Everyone forgets that he he kind of had a nagging shoulder injury all of last year. Um, this this is just the position he should be playing. Um, and I, I think it's really going to benefit him and, and the team overall, especially. And, and I, I've said it again, and I don't mean to harp on Emmanuel Beal, but Emmanuel Beal is not a you know the guy didn't have a talent level of, of an Oklahoma defense, and so Caleb Kelly does, and I, I think he's just a better fit there. And I think the defense is going to be better for it. Uh, that's uh, I think putting Caleb Kelly there over Emmanuel Beal is a is a very big upgrade for the defense, like a very big one.
2: Well, yeah, you touched on it. I was going to bring it up. I mean, nothing against Emmanuel Beal, but he led the team in tackles a season ago, and now you're replacing Beal, who, again, I mean, obviously he was good enough to win that starting spot last season and keep it throughout the year, so good on him for continuing to be the starter all year long. But Emmanuel Beal, he's a two-star guy. He was a two-, three-star guy coming out of high school, worked his way up here at OU to become an impact player. Well, he, was a and impact play. uh, he was a Juco guy. He was a Juco guy. I, went I checked out his high school. I remember yeah. looking back last year. I was curious. Uh, Emmanuel,
0: I mean, Emmanuel Beal maybe never would have started a game for Oklahoma had Tay Evans not had concussion issues against Houston in that first game or just concussion issues in general. Um, so, I mean, that was a huge deal.
2: But, yeah, the point I was going to make is the point that you basically made too. It's going from Emmanuel Beal, a, a two-three-star talent athlete, now you're replacing him with a five-star caliber athlete, Caleb Kelly, and that's the position that made the most tackles last year. You have to feel really good about that. And, again, to Caleb Kelly's credit, I mean, he made two of the biggest plays at the end of the last season, that TCU game, the Big 12 title game, where he recovered the fumble and and was able to score against um, against TCU. And then, of course, forcing the fumble in the Rose Bowl that ended up going for a touchdown Stephen Parker re- returned for uh for six that made it seem like Oklahoma was about to ice away the Rose Bowl so I mean this is a guy he made some some iconic 2017 defensive plays for the Sooners last year he that hopefully really, that catapults him
0: he had that really awesome interception against Texas Tech too did you bring that up I mean that's a really that was an incredibly yeah, was athletic play, play yeah um I, I feel a little bad because I feel like I'm kind of giving Emmanuel Beal a hard time it's I, I have no ill. Feelings towards Emmanuel Beal at all? That guy. That guy played the best game of his life in Columbus against Ohio State, which was awesome. Which he's um,
2: he was from around Ohio. Yeah, so that was yeah. big. That was so big I've time just, for him.
0: Um, Emmanuel Beal played at Oklahoma. Uh, him starting at Oklahoma was the product of uh, of a lot of freak things happening at the linebacker position over the course of about three or four seasons. Otherwise, I don't think he ever would have been here. Having that been said, I love you know he was a great Sooner. And so I, I, I feel bad ripping on on, on OU guys because, you know I mean? So, so this is me sort of walking it back because I feel bad.
2: So sorry. <laughs> okay. Moving on from the, the linebacker, uh, the linebacking level, let's go to the secondary. And another piece of news that came out of Sunday's media day was out of the mouth of Mike Stoops, and he mentioned that Jordan Parker, who basically missed all of last year after being injured in the UTEP game, Parker has been working at safety this summer, and this is, I'm sure, no question related to Chance Sylvie being unavailable. So Jordan Parker, good player, a player that uh, I I believe – I mean, I think in general I mentioned that a lot of these players in the secondary, there's so many young guys with lots of talent. They all got to be open to moving spots and playing wherever they need to play to get playing time. Jordan Parker certainly fits into this, especially considering he missed basically all of last year. Uh, With all the talent influx in the secondary, he's a player that would not surprise me if working at safety this summer translates to him playing good safety in fall and him winning a job somehow or at least winning one of those fifth secondary spots. Because, again, this is a guy that was starting last year against UTEP. I mean, if he doesn't go out, uh, you know, who knows? I think he was playing – was he playing the nickel against UTEP? Yeah, he
0: was was a starter at nickel, so that was kind of the – it's it can be argued that Jordan Parker getting hurt last year really, you know, may have screwed up a lot of their plans for the yeah. defense. Um just because I know cuz if you guys remember uh, kind of around this time last year, a lot of people were talking about Parnell Motley playing nickel so he could have moved around. Parker getting hurt kind of just uh definitely anchored Motley at corner, so maybe they couldn't move him around. Um they are they're they're healthy in the secondary. And so this is I the secondary this year is, I think, the, de- the deepest it has been in, in damn near 15 years at Oklahoma, which is significant, um, at least at the corner position. They, they, just, they got a lot of bodies, and they got a lot of quality bodies. So um, they, might, they might be able to do some really interesting things with the secondary this year. I'm kind of excited to see
2: what they're going to do with it, to be honest with you. So am I. Yeah, so am I. Look out for Trey Brown. Trey Brown was the first defensive back that Stoops mentioned whenever he was asked about Parker. Uh, he mentioned that you know, Parker's working at safety, and then he mentioned that the development of Trey Brown, Trey Norwood, and Parnell Motley uh, at cornerback. So that, to me, that, that, what that signaled was that those guys are, are developing so much at corner that they're like, hey, Jordan, we think you'd be a, a lot more useful switching positions, moving to safety because we're, we're a little thinner there. And that just shows you uh, probably how good of a job Brown, Norwood, and Motley are playing at corner. And it also kind of makes me think, to read between the lines, that uh, even though I think Buki would be a fantastic cornerback, they're obviously looking at Buki as more of a strong safety or a nickelback player as well.
0: Yeah, and I think um, I think over the course of his career, I think Buki is is going to play literally you know every position in the secondary. I think that's almost a cinch. In fact, he'll probably play some linebacker at some point in time too. I bet. Um, but yeah, I, yeah. I think. Well, right, we'll I, I just I mean that. I mean in certain alignments, I don't think they're going to put him at linebacker like for an entire game or anything. I'm just saying it. Yeah. Um, anywho. But no, I, I, the the depth there is, I, I think, is impressive right now. And it, Trey Brown is my guy. He he's the guy who I think is, I I think he's the most talented player in the secondary, um, I, not i of those corners, sorry, um, and uh, you know I me, mean? I I'm not, I'm kind of maybe the one person who's not sold on Trey Norwood yet, um, but yeah, I mean, I I think, and I'm just really really impressed with Trey Brown. Anytime that he was around the ball, anytime he got in there, his his athleticism is off the charts. I I think he's a guy that. is going to force himself onto the field this year
2: and the final note on the Oklahoma secondary today is our weekly edition of the legend of Buki continues and we have Mike Stoops his thoughts on Buki Radley Hiles from Sunday
3: he's far mature beyond his
2: years and it ain't gonna scare him none I think he's you know foaming at the bit to get out there and compete and play at at a high level and he won't look at himself as a freshman when he steps on the field. He's, you know, he's mature and you know understands what it takes to perform at at this level uh, from being here in the spring. That's Mike Stoops on Buki. Kind of a standard soundbite that maybe you'd hear from other nice freshmen that have been here in the spring, something like that. But knowing what we know about Buki and how other players and coaches have talked about him, it just adds more to the lore of. Bookie Radley Hiles, the incoming freshman OUDB who's never played it down, but could be the best player that's ever played at Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kinda that's kind of
0: what it's what what it's sounding like, isn't it? Jeez. Um Yeah, I it's, it's and it also of shows
2: how how weak they've been on defense recently yeah, in the second year. I, I too. think
0: I think that's that's probably the biggest takeaway from it. Um this is I, I usually have one thing, you know, like every year that I just shamelessly go all in on. Um whether or not it's going to be you know true or not. And and I think, I, I think Buki Radley Hiles being just an unbelievable player is that is the one thing I'm just, uh, you know, faithfully just going all in on. Cause why not? If, uh, mm-hmm. if I hear anything else, you know, over the course of fall camp or see anything, or once we watch him play and he's terrible, I reserve the right to change my mind. But having that been said, I, you know, I'm an OU fan. I get excited, especially around this time of the year. I'm going all in on Buki, just being amazing because it's fun. And, um, might as well i, I can i, I can uh, i can stand to be a to be a hacky
2: fan every now and then too all right before we go a couple more defensive notes uh that i, I took during this press conference from mike stoops a couple of things just position wise uh, let's jump back to linebackers real fast he mentioned stoops did linebacker depth he mentioned john michael terry uh and also when it, comes, when it came to uh, Levi Draper, he was asked about how Draper has has uh, come along. And Stoops is very quick with his comment. He just said, quote, Levi has made significant improvement. And he left it at that. So if you watched it, if you heard it, it seemed kind of like maybe Levi's Draper's not really in the fold at all uh, just because he was so quick on it, whereas it seemed like he would expand more on certain other players. But the other only linebacker, I mean, if – Granted, it's the 3-4, so they had to play four linebackers, and, and Mark Anderson wasn't brought up at all during this. Um, Mark, I'm sorry, Mark Jackson. I don't know why I said Mark Anderson. Mark Jackson wasn't brought up at all during this, and, and John Michael Terry was brought up. I, you know, I'm kind of concerned about the linebacker depth for Oklahoma. We'll see when fall camp begins. Who else kind of emerges from that? I, um, I, I Any feel, other notes on the linebackers? No,
0: I, I feel a lot better about it just in the sense that they have scholarship players all over the two deep now. Whereas you had Brian Mead, who was a walk on, who was who was backing up Kenneth Murray, and that's we or was backing up uh, Emmanuel Beal. We can't have that. Can't have that at all. Um, so the fact that they actually have scholarship players uh, throughout the two deep is is a major improvement over last year. Um, and also, I mean, really in the, in this thing, they, they only have you know they, they have the two outside linebackers. Um, it's going to be Kenneth Murray and Caleb Kelly. I, I think the two guys backing them up probably is going to be John Michael Terry and Curtis Bolton so um that's that's solid depth there and then you know on the sam side i, I it sounds i mean i think mark jackson he's he's listed as, as a defensive end and a jack still on the on the website so i don't know if his experimentation with sam is over or whatnot and maybe ryan jones has that position ryan jones might be your sam linebacker
2: oh yeah ryan jones yeah i liked him he was good in the spring game he yeah he's great. at he's athletic he's very athletic so
0: we'll uh we'll see if he can cover because that's that's going to be where his uh, his value lies
2: Defensive line, haven't talked about that group yet at all. Mike Stoops said that it's the most improved group across the board from a year ago. I think Stoops also mentioned that during spring ball as well, so I think he's just kind of continuing, he's staying consistent with that. And also, Uh, I mean, Lincoln Riley heaped a ton of praise on the defensive line at Big 12 Media
0: Days too, Um, so there there might be some smoke there.
2: Yeah, yeah, he made sure, Stoops made sure to... Mentioned Calvin Thibodeau and Ruffin McNeil doing a great job there, and uh, he mentioned quality depth. They're developing quality depth at the defensive line, which is kind of surprising. Considering I know you're not not high on the true freshman, but you know they lose Michael Thompson and now they lose Jalen Redmond, who could have been defensive line I'm v- depth.
0: I'm very high on them. I just I just think it's naive to think. I'm sorry that for this gonna, season. Yeah, th- right, I, it's naive bad. to think that they season. were going to contribute at this at this stage.
2: I'm just curious to see how this depth ends up looking because. I, yeah, I just, I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by it. I, I'm glad to hear that the defensive line is very much improved because that's where it all starts. If, if Neville Gallimore and Amani Bledsoe and Kenneth Mann, who are three players that soups said by name, that have, that have taken kind of the young guys under their wings, if those three players have good seasons, Oklahoma defense is going to be really good. Eh, it's going to be good. I don't, I, I don't want to say really good because it's tough to imagine OU's defense being really good at all. But if those three players on the defensive line end up having good years, it's hard to imagine Oklahoma's defense not being good as well.
0: Yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I that's 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 clear. Um, and if I if I haven't fully gone back on it, I will now. I mean, I think the 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 three starting defensive linemen I think is clear at this point in time. It's going to be Neville Gallimore, Imani Bledsoe, and Kenneth Mann. So, I was very clearly wrong about that on our last uh, podcast of the spring. Um, so I, I think those are your obvious three starting defensive linemen, and uh, and I think it's going to be uh, at this point in time. I think it's going to be Addison Gums at the Jack because he's got the size of a defensive end. Um, I, I think that's that that's a good thing. They they they're finally going to have the size at that position, which they've actually been lacking with Oboe. So that is a good thing. Um, but I just wanted to make a note of that. Now I didn't even need to get into fall practice. I've already um, you know I've already taken back my my starters predictions from the spring,
2: of course. And I was just kind of ra- uh, – I wasn't ragging on the defensive line depth about a, mi- a minute ago. I, I'm just – I'm cautiously optimistic. Uh, one name, though, I just thought of, of course, that'll, that should help with the depth is a true freshman, but a true freshman that you've mentioned that you've always thought would be a guy maybe to help, and that's Ronnie Perkins. Ronnie yeah, Perkins could certainly provide, hopefully, some good defensive line I depth.
0: Think he, I think he has to because w- when I'm looking at the positions now, um, I, I don't – Kenneth Mann's like the only defensive end on the roster. Like I, I don't really know him and Ronnie Perkins really are. So I don't really, I mean, like only hand in the dirt. Uh, I know there's I- Isaiah Thomas who is a retro freshman. I haven't heard a, a thing about him. Um, this is a second year in the program. That's like I said with Jeremiah Hall. That's just, that's usually just not a good sign. Um,
2: so interesting. I mean, well, if yeah. they don't have to, if they don't have to use, um, Imani Bledsoe as a hand in the ground nose tackle, then he's technically a defensive end. No, but,
0: I mean he's going to play. He's going to play the three tech. He's going to be. He's going to kind of play like the Gerald McCoy defensive tackle position. That's what he does. They they do. I said they they do run a lot of four three. They do. They just use the Jack as the as the other defensive end. Um, so I, I think yeah, um, Amani Blitz is going to be the three tech or the the Gerald McCoy of the defense. That's what he
2: does. Whereas uh, we'll see about that.
0: All right, That's all I'm saying. That's that's what's going to
2: happen. I'm going to look more into it because I'm not I'm not sold on that. Uh, all right. Any other defensive notes, thoughts you want to bring up? That's all I have.
0: Uh, no, it's just I, I'm, I'm kind of starting to talk, uh, talk myself into the Kenneth Murray hype. You know, I mean that he was sort of the talk of of Big Twelve media days from from the OU side about just you know how confident he seems and you know how much he's watching film and I'm starting to talk myself into him being awesome. So, um, <laughs> okay. I'm not gonna. I, all I right, mean, I, it's 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 that time of the year. I'm getting excited again. Um. Uh, I know it's not going to be that easy, and the lights just not going to flip on like that. But it's 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 fun to think like that, and you never
2: know. Unlike every other sport, this stupid sport of football, it's so short that it it's the most. It gives us the most time to just talk, and speculate, and hope, and just get here. I mean, I know we've ragged on it and talked about it a lot on this podcast over and over again about how baseball season and basketball season and hockey season just seem like it goes on forever. I mean, think about it. It's July 24th. The NBA season ended like five or six weeks ago. That's it. And there's still lots of talk during free agency. I mean, they open up camp in the NBA in like a month and a half. <laughs> so like if you're a huge basketball fan, there's not a whole lot of time for you to, to sit around and wonder, hey, man, let's talk about this team. I mean, you're going to do it. But you're going to get some games pretty quick with this, man. We're finally, we're we're getting there. And I can't wait.
0: Yeah, and you know what? I, I think, you know, typically once fall camp starts, it, it comes quickly. It, August goes by really fast and it's going to be time to play football again. So we're getting there. Um and then, you know, once we get there, it's just, you know, <laughs> just pray that FAU doesn't play the game of their lives cuz I've started I've I've started to think like that as well. So try to try to hold off on that as long as possible if
2: you can. Speaking of Florida Atlantic, five weeks from now, we will be doing our in-depth preview of the Owls and the Sooners. Five weeks from now. And, Grant, I've already started watching some Florida Atlantic tape from last season in preparation. Wow. I started with Florida Atlantic's game against North Texas last year. So I've watched a couple drives of their offense uh, you know, I'm not going to say anything about it now because I'm still trying to get my notes put together. But, um, yeah, it's we're taking this stuff seriously. And and I'm hoping in the next five weeks to to start looking into UCLA and Army so that I'm not just cramming for those games, even though I suppose we'll have some new uh, some new tape on UCLA and Army after they play a game or two.
0: UCLA, we're probably going to have to wait a bit because you're not. Yeah, gonna, that's a good point. It's Chip yeah, Kelly, that's you're going to have to point. wait until yeah. they play their first game.
2: Yeah. Okay. With Army, maybe because they're going to do the same thing. They just have a new quarterback, and
0: yeah, I don't know. Oh, well. I don't. I mean, I don't know how much watching film is going to help us break down Army, I and mean, they run the same play every single time.
2: <laughs> uh, well, maybe Iowa State then, considering that's what week, week three. It's week three. Yeah. So we know what that's all about. Um, so, anyways, yeah, five weeks from now we'll be doing our in-depth Ford Atlantic preview. Of course, before that, we'll have our entire uh, season preview, which will be pretty much the the one-year anniversary of west of everest it was you know about a month from now is whenever we debuted the show uh, our first episode and it's it's incredible that we're almost to a full year and uh we've we come a long way and hopefully in the next month we'll get even better so we'll start year two on the right now with some some super in-depth uh preview stuff for oklahoma and that was fun last year when we did it and i can't wait to do it again this year
0: yeah i agree i, I mean it's it's I almost said it's the best time of the year, but I mean, that's not, that's not true. I mean, the best time of the year is, is when the season's actually going on, but um, yeah. it, I mean, it, it's coming, it, it's here. It's kind of, I, I've sort of been reflecting on this the last four or five years. It kind of sucks. We don't have, at least I don't think this applies to you at all because you don't do this stuff anymore, but it sucks. We don't have that video game anymore. I think that made this time go by a lot faster. Um, And I'm missing it a lot. And I'm sure there's a lot of people out there listening who probably agree with me.
2: Yeah, maybe i it's a whole other discussion. I haven't played video games in two or three years. So uh, glad that you're still pumping your dollars into the video game economy because uh, I'm sure the games are pretty awesome these days. Uh, anyways, that's, uh, <laughs> that's not what this podcast is about. Um, it's about OU football, and we'll have a lot more OU football on next week's pod. Until next week, for Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest.